Just drinking on mic before we start. So I can... <laughs> it does sound like you're like sculling wine. Yeah. It sounds like you're quaffing. Yeah, it sounds like. You're having a quaff. <laughs> having a quaff. You can only quaff wine, can't you? Yeah. yeah you, can't, you can't quaff a cider or a coffee. No. No. Madness. Yeah. to get over this but a moment is all he can spare we are hottest 100s and thousands and we're taking control of your radio station this is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the triple j hottest 100 my name is david james young and i'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so joining me once again nathan harrison hey adam buncher scoot, scoot. and Drew mcdonald yes indeed hello yeah. <laughs> are we doing an improv thing here? Is this... no, yeah, yes, 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 we are. Keep going. Yes, and? Hello. Hello. It's me. Hi, Hi. Dad. <laughs> Hello, son. What are you doing? Well, I've come to tell you about a brand new song I just heard on the wireless. What song is that, Dad? It's by Ari DeFranco. And it's coming in at number 60 on the 1998 Horses 100. It's a live version of her song called Untouchable Bane. Is, is that really what it's called? <laughs> of course! <laughs> I think I'm going for a walk now. I feel a little unsteady. Don't want nobody to follow me. Said maybe you, I could make you happy, you know, if you weren't already. I could do a lot of things, and I do. Tell you the truth, I prefer the worst of you. It's bad you had to have a better half. She's not really my type, but I think you two are forever. I hate to say it, but you're perfect together, so fuck you. And your untouchable face, and fuck you. For existing in the first place, and who am I? That I should be waiting for your touch, and who am I? I bet you can't even tell me that much. Ani DeFranco coming in at number 60 in the 1998 Hottest 100 with a live version of her song, Untouchable Face. Hey, Adam. Yo. Fuck you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is the first time we've talked about Arnie DeFranco. Yeah. Um, so a bit of background information about her. Pretty much like the archetypal, hardworking singer-songwriter. She spent pretty much her entire life since she was 15 years of age writing songs and then touring and performing those songs. Legitimately, there has been very, very little downtime. She has released over 20 albums. She owns her own label, which she actually started pretty soon after getting the whole thing off the ground. She was, I think she was like 19 or something like that, called the Righteous Babe label. Now, that's since expanded out to do a bunch of charity stuff as well, and she's always been very vocal about championing causes, particularly LGBTI rights, abortion rights. Yeah, she's very um, political. Yeah, and um, that's all, all about what the Righteous Babe Foundation is kind of all about. I love this quote that I found from her as well, talking about folk music. And it's something that we've actually touched on previously as well, talking about the relationship of, say, like, folk and punk and stuff like that. 
But her quote is, folk music is not an acoustic guitar. That's not where the heart of it is. I use the word folk in reference to punk music and rap music. It's an attitude. It's an awareness of one's heritage and it's a community. It's sub-corporate music that gives voice to different communities and their struggle against authority. Let that be a bit of a, a, a note towards what who Annie is and um, and the kind of stuff that she's done. Also... Let it be a note that in 2002, she recorded a duet with Jackie Chan. Unforgettable. Unforgettable. That's yep. a dream collab. Uh, the, the album that that came from was called When Pigs Fly, songs you never thought you'd hear. Ah, lived, it's what's on the fucking yep. ten. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so this is a track taken from her live album in uh, 1997, it was released. Uh, the Rolling Stone named it as one of the essential recordings of the 90s. I think this is gorgeous. I think it's really, it shows exactly what I said, that, you know, the, the consummate kind of professionalism and craft that the time that Annie spent writing songs and performing those songs has enabled the way that she puts so much personality into the way that she delivers those lines. I mean, like, for a start, the song being about the, of that very particular feeling of seeing someone that you love in the yeah, arms of someone else and, and dealing with that. Because, of course, it's reasonable. It's, yeah. it's entirely reasonable <laughs> to not be loved by someone, but also but that fuck feel, you, right? That, that, fuck that, you and your untouchable face. That like, feeling when, you, when you're in the, the feeling of not just unrequited love, but, like, non-permissible love. Like, pining yeah. for someone who's already in, in her, in what she says, is, like, a perfect relationship. Uh-huh. But, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the jealousy that you feel is still real, and the anger you feel for that person not being with you is still fucking valid, even though, if it, like, the actions that you carry out can't interfere, right? Like, yeah. But it's such a personable thing, but it's so specifically personable as well. Exactly, and it's very private. Going back to, like, what I was saying about the, the beauty of My Hero by the Foo Fighters, as a track as well, the way when you give voice to those really private emotions, it's it's really powerful. I think that's playing mm. in this song as well. And I just think, like, it's a difficult thing to write a song about well uh, whilst being honest. You have to be, yeah, as I said, really good at your craft and also really good at expressing yourself with that vulnerability, which is part of the craft. Yeah. Um, and I think it's clearly on, clearly on show here. I think it's nice. I think, like, the guitar line is kind of cool. The melodies are great. Uh, I think it's all about the performance. Yeah, more yeah than, totally. More than anything else. I think there's a real sense um, of, of how good the band is just from, like... Their restraint? The, yeah, I guess, mm. I guess their restraint. But, like, there's, there's so much going on and, like... There's a real sense of dynamics there, for sure. Yeah, like, it, it's, all, it's all a very contained song, but there's still there's so much going on in there on, on such a, a quiet level yeah. um, that I think, particularly in a live setting, is really beautiful to listen to and I think it would have been incredible to see. I'm certainly on board with her approach to what you say is folk music or what yeah. she says is folk music because I do think that, like, these labels that... um we codify music into are uh, steeped in privilege and class and to a certain degree things like folk music like it's it's like whenever you see like like a black artist doing anything it's always marketed as urban music mm. no matter what kind mm. of music it is mm-hmm. and like there's, there's a certain projection of like folk is white person with guitar mm. and then like, I, I do appreciate her challenging that saying like no no it's a cultural thing this is like a like folk is punk rock it's yeah. a, outside of the mainstream and I really appreciate that but nonetheless her music is stripped back acoustic guitar white person music yeah like and there's only so much time that I have for that so that's, that's why like I respect Annie DeFranco like a motherfucker she's a really incredible writer and a really incredible activist and like has always worn her heart and her politics on her sleeve and i love that about her i think she i have 
the utmost respect for her, but musically it just isn't for me. And also because I'm a, uh, I'm a man and she writes very feminist driven, not that I'm not a feminist, but like she writes music for females and it's really beautiful in that yep, kind of thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the music itself, I think is stripped back and bare and that is not really what I ever considered going for, but it is an incredibly well-written song, partly because just like the song is just a vehicle for her performativity of this, of this feeling. And I think that's really beautiful. Obviously, the, the heart of the song is the way she delivers the fuck yous. It's yeah. too, it's too I mean, good, like, right? yeah, man, yeah. I mean, on that as well, we should point out the hottest 100 loves to swear. Yeah, that's and the that's, thing, right? And that's like, oh, man. Swear. Yeah. yeah. Big and old fuck history. That's why I started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We could have just called the, the podcast fuck history. Yeah. Gives us some different vibes. <sighs> because like the, the, like the, the, with the first verse and that, just like, like well, all the verses, but that first one ending with like, I know it's a great fucking relationship, but just going like, oh, fuck you and your yeah. untouchable face is so like, it feels almost like a stage whisper. Like that. And yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. She's letting us in yeah. on and, a very personal and, moment. And, and, and it's also a moment that nearly everybody has had, right? Uh-huh. Right? Like you've had a crush on someone that's in a relationship or that you can't be yeah. with kind of thing like that and getting angry about that. But I think you two are forever and I hate to say it, but you're perfect together. So, so fuck you. Fuck you, like, man. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. And like, and you can feel that connection she's building in, in the live track as well. Like mm. the audience is just with her the whole way. And there are those moments. The where, reactions of the, yeah. the, in the track. Really nice. Yeah. It's so, it's beautiful and, mm. and real like credit to her as a, as a live performer as well, that you can really feel that room throughout the recording. There's a certain youthful quality to it all as well. Mm. Like it's just in the, in the way that you're dealing and with the situation. And Indefranco does not age. Like <laughs> her music means the exact same to like get 20 something girl now than it did to a 20 something girl 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 50, and like mm. I know so many young female singer songwriters that you know would list Annie DeFranco as their number one inspiration like ranging from people in their 40s to people in their like late teens early 20s like she just has that legacy that has continued to give and give and give over the years I think a song like this is kind of exemplary of why that is yeah. and like why women continue to come back to her like I'm not saying like oh boys can't like this but like it's definitely primarily centered and focused on that like which is why she was seen as a big part of like that whole Lilith fair yeah. scene you know back in the day like her and like Sarah McLaughlin and Amy Mann and like Tracy Chapman and all of these very bold like singer songwriter acoustic female artists for lack of a better phrase, like, that was the sound. That was, like, a genre in and onto itself for a really long time. But for she's, sure. like, the forefront name of that for a reason, I think. Because yeah, her totally. songwriting is impeccable. She knows exactly how to write, like, a beautiful, poetic piece of music. The lyrics are the point. The performativity mm. is the point, And it's really beautiful. And I think that's partly why it's this version, the live version, rather than the from the 96 original, which didn't make it into the Hot 100. Mm. The record that that's from, her third album, Dilate, if that was like probably, I think it's her biggest selling record that the studio version of this is from. It's like her, her breakthrough record. And like the fact that that didn't make it on here, but the live version, I think, kind of says something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because that sounds super similar. It's just that this one, you're involved in the performance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love lyrics that find a way to express disassociation from yourself. The National, in particular, band I really love, and they, I think, do that really, really well. There's so many lyrics that they have and so many phrases where they deal with that kind of thing. But one from this song that I really connect to is um, you'll look like a photograph of yourself taken from far, far away. Bang. That's the best lyric of the whole song. It's It's the best lyric. Yeah. 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 So, so good. Is anybody here a particular DeFranco fan? This is the first time I've ever heard her. All right. Yeah. 
I think she's definitely one of those artists where, like, everyone knows the name, but, like, not heaps of people would be able to, like, pick out her songs in particular. I think that's true, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's definitely an artist worth exploring. Like, if you like what you heard here, then, you know, check out the live album and uh, check out some records from this era and see how you go. Always a thing, though, right, when you see that someone has 20 albums <laughs> it's in daunting. their discography, you yeah. just kind of like, I can I even be a casual fan? But like, if this live album is an essential yeah. album of the 90s, then, you know. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that's a good entry point. Number 59, it's the Propellerheads with Dame Shirley Bassey. This is history repeating. The word is about, there's something revolving. Wherever may come, the world keeps revolving. They say the next big thing is here, that the revolution's near. But to me it seems quite clear that it's all just a little bit of history repeating. Coming in at number 59 in the 1998 Hottest 100, it's a song called History Repeating, and it features the immortal vocals of one of the greatest singers of her time, Dame Shirley Bassey. What can you say about this song? It is like legit one of the coolest goddamn songs we've ever talked about. This comes from the Propellerheads only album, which was called Decks and Drums and Rock and Roll, which is a fucking sick title. They were a similar like techno big beat production duo mm-hmm. from from the mid to late 90s. Uh, they had two very successful singles. This was one of them and the other was a song called Crash. which was an instrumental in which I remember this music video very fondly from uh, my rage days, uh, which was two Elvis impersonators making breakfast. It's <laughs> like, it's a very simple video, but it works a fucking treat. I love that video so, so much. This is just so cool, man. It's just got such a great sizzle and like a great swing to it. I love this kind of odd couple pairing up of, like, a production duo and a veteran... Like, this is 20 years ago, and she was considered a veteran then. She was about 60. Yeah. She's still fucking going, man. She had, like... (laughs) She did Glasto, like... Five years ago, I think? Like, something like that. That's amazing. (laughs) People love a bit of the bass, and you, you hear this shit, and you're just like, I cannot blame you. For one goddamn second. Like, she just has such an idiosyncratic and powerful voice. You get shivers down the spine hearing, like, Aah! like hitting some of those high notes. You're like, Jesus shit. 
the propeller heads knew what they had in store. Like they were just like, "There's only one person that can get the fucking job done here. You gotta, you gotta wheel in the A team for this shit." Uh, so it's like a real cool like crossing meeting of the minds kind of moment for me and uh that's why i've always had a thing for this song like i just think it's it's really cool it's incredibly arranged and yeah just super super stylish and super funky well it was always going to be dame shirley bassey on this track because from what i can tell the propeller heads have a real thing for the whole spy kitsch kind of music and the mm. james bond theme kind of stuff one of their other major hits was actually a remix for the theme of on her majesty's secret service um, right. and and they later collaborated to produce a track that was featured in the Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies called Backseat Driver. So, yeah. like, they're clearly coming from an appreciation of the of the spy kitsch kind of thing, which is, like, I can totally understand because musically it's so kind of unique and so it's got so much character and flavor to it. I'm a grown-ass man, but when I listen to this song, I kind of want to slink around walls doing gun hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely a secret agent song, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, in, a, in such a big way. You would have to get Shirley Bassey in on that because she only furthers the aesthetic of the spy spy kitsch thing because she produced some of... I think she did more than one, but at least Goldfinger. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Goldfinger. Yeah. Come on. Goldfinger, Diamonds of Forever, and Moonraker. Of course. Yeah, Moon of course. Forever. Moonraker. Forever. Everybody's known this song forever, right? I thought that this was the fucking remix. Me too! Yeah, yeah. I thought that there must have been a song that Shirley Bassey did in the 60s. Right. Yeah, that that, that was a remix. Which is absolute testament to the Propellerheads crafting a song that sounds legit Shirley Bassey style. Yeah, but also the song itself is a comment on the way that electronic dance music is perceived and was perceived, particularly when you watch the video, which starts with like a bit of like spoken word being like... Recent developments have seen the jazz world split in two by a new wave of musicians calling themselves disc jockeys. Those in favour describe the phenomena as a fresh rush of blood in the ageing corpse of music. Those against prefer the term Emperor's New Clothes. Tonight you may judge for yourselves as we bring you the propeller heads who together with the legendary Shirley Bassey play their arrangement history repeated it's a comment i think or I, I presume that it's the way it's the way that drum and bass is be- and electronic dance music is seen as being like a sacrilegious take of old school dance music which was jazz or big band music and having shirley bassey in that talking about it's just history repeating that is a great take. Uh, yeah paul so mccartney once said the sex that. pistols were just so another band playing chuck berry so indeed he did so having shirley here who is someone who knows this music and having her Say that like no, this is just the next new thing. It's not not it's not good or it's not bad. It just is the next new thing. Music's evolution is like has always been rife with people who says that like no, the thing just before this was the best one, and this one's too much. Yeah, yeah sure. Having electric guitar may have been sacrilegious to blues music, but we nailed it then. And you guys doing hip hoppy stuff is crap. Like, and then when hip hop was a thing, people would say about that. No, no, well, like trap is just a bad thing. Well, we nailed it in the nineties. There's always people who are like yeah. the previous old guard denigrating the new evolution of music, and the propeller heads and Shirley Bassey know that that's bullshit. Yeah. It's all just history repeating because it's also yeah. the flip side of the music industry hyping up the new thing as something completely new 
because that's just the cycle yeah. that it has to do. Yeah. 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 You know, for all the detractors saying Trap is terrible, you have all the publications the, being like, check out it's this. The, it's truly revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, but no, it's, it's as revolutionary just, as every yeah. single thing before. It's all just history repeating. The yeah. song is so fucking clever. It's this reflexive statement about the song itself. It's so fucking clever, but it's wrapped up in this thing. Who on earth can resist Shirley Bassey's voice? She's the fucking queen. Oh, yeah. Man. Like, yeah. just pure performance, yeah. Yeah. right? Wales. I don't know what it, like, her. And, and Tom Jones Tom Jones Tom Jones mm. yeah they're often thrown in together and uh, they do perform very I get thrown in together with them <laughs> oh, I want to be the meat in that sandwich there's so much joy in listening to them do their thing yeah right it's so enjoyable for to be placed next to Tom Jones <laughs> you know or Shirley so, Bassey like yeah, yeah. potentially it's, it's very good company yeah. oh, very I'm good so company. glad you because I totally thought, thought it was a remix this was a remix yeah because all the old style song mm. elements of it are so note perfect. Yeah. I was just like, oh, and, and because of shit. Because it's Shirley Bassey as well. I was just like, oh, this is like a, you know, a 60s or a 70s song that they've kind yeah. of done a thing to, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like there's a couple of choice lyrics that I think reflect what I think the take is there. Just saying like, there is fashion, there is fad, some is good, some is bad, and the joke is rather sad. It's all just a bit of history repeating. Very good. And then also like, so some people don't dance, they don't know who's singing. Why ask your head? Is your hips that are swinging? Life is for us to enjoy. Woman, man, girl, and boy. Feel the pain, feel the joy. A side set, the little bits of history repeating. It's so fucking clever, man. Yeah. Like, it's the discourse. It's like, it's the, like <laughs> yeah, like, man. It's the analysis of the whole fucking thing. But it's just Bassie's a fucking woke, fam. yeah, yeah. But it's just this that rules. baller goddamn pop tune that it's wrapped up in. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I'm just going back slightly to um, when you're talking about with you know the old guard. The best thing came before. It's worth pointing out that like anatomically, that's it's something that we're all up against because like there's been a lot of studies oh, in yeah. terms of like neuroscience and whatever about taste and music in particular. It gets harder to like new you stuff stop, as like, you get... Like, thing, like you stop seeking out new kinds of music at 28. I mean, that's what they say. I, yeah. And I think like that's more just... I don't think it's an absolute truth. No, of course not. But it's like a warning that like you are going to be less inclined to. Like yeah, you, that, that's how your brain works. You, you, the Simpsons thing, right? Like yeah. I used to be with it and they changed what it was. Now what's it seems weird and strange to me. If you want to be an informed consumer of art, not just music, of books, TV, video games. Yeah. Video games aren't art, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, if you want to be an, uh, an informed consumer of art and entertainment, then you have to... There's effort. You have to try. You yeah. have to really push against that sensation when you hear something and think, this is what the kids really like, emo rap, like <laughs> zanny rap, I think this is what the kids like, I'm, dude, I'm the guy now, I'm because, old man now. Because when you're a kid, all the context you need to be able to, to place that art, you're getting passively. Like You don't have to work at it because you're a kid surrounded by kids having culture thrown and marketed at you. When you're an adult, you don't get that passively anymore, so you need to start doing the work. And also when you're a kid, everything is like that kind of mind experiment, right? Like if, if a four-year-old saw their dad crawl up the wall and go on the ceiling, that wouldn't be like scary to them because everything is new. It's just damn, I got shivers even thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, horrifying, right? But to a child, that's just, oh, okay, right. I, I don't have enough context to know that's abnormal. That's just a thing that's happening. Dude, like, I'm heckin' spooked. Yeah, too spoopy. I'm so uh, like the spooked. adult version of that is like, I feel like that's weird, but I don't want to say anything in yeah. case it's really normal yeah. and everyone else will make fun of me. <laughs> but, then, but like, because when you're young, every piece of music or every piece of art that you consume and indeed 
like naft things like video games they're they all seem new it doesn't matter what context you're consuming them in because mm-hmm. it's a new thing but then when you are an adult like now and i'm guilty of it as well like i know i'm super guilty of it when i hear someone's like dude check out this great new band like they have a really great post-punk edge and i'm like i already know the fall really well these guys are a crappier version of the fall i'll just listen to the fall and i'm like so then i'm like oh, i'm the guy listening to 40 year old music you like, know you know who we should all take an example from in terms of this Mr. Henry Rollins, the great man. The great man himself. The great man, yeah. who, who, like, is renowned for his ethic in terms of, like, consuming and staying up with music. Yeah. And I love what he says about, just to bring it up, you know, protein listening versus carb listening. I mean, as a nutrition idiot, like, <laughs> the metaphors of the target market. <laughs> yeah. but, like, he says, like, you know, there, is, there are some times where you're on a long car trip, you've got to throw on your favorite album. But there are other times where, you know, you're sitting down, you're in a real mood to kind of, like, think about something and whatever. That's when you do your protein listening, the listening that makes you grow, that strengthens your tastes and whatever. Then you yeah. listen to something new. You, you try and discover something or whatever. That's the, yeah. like, it's worth also saying that, like, it's not effort in terms of like work it's just bringing yourself to know that it's not always going to be what you want to listen to but there's a reward outside of that if you hear an album and you think that's just noise go fucking back to it like um, this is like i'm talking to everybody about this if you listen to this podcast if there's an album or a kind of music that you've heard and you thought to yourself that sounds like crap go an episode of this podcast (laughs) go back and let's do it because that that was the experimental gateway to you finding other podcasts that you could enjoy (laughs) like the first time i heard death groups i didn't get it now i adore them the first time the first time i heard vaporwave it was boring and now it's like i live for it these are things that like you i shouldn't laugh i'm sorry man that's (laughs) no 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 because that's the thing. Like you, you, one day you will be in this position, my one friend. Day you, you will live for vaporwave. Wh- wh- one day you will like. Hey man, I throw on Macintosh Plus. Every yeah, day yeah, day. it's the best record. I don't, I don't spend all my free time wandering through abandoned, abandoned malls, malls. Like, like you do. Like I would live to do. Um, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, like if I can seriously implore one listener to go back to something that they've thought sounded like garbage, or was too experimental, or was too close to noise, or was too close to boring, and reevaluate it as a potential thing that you can appreciate. That's good for the brain. That's good for the fucking senses. That's true. Yeah. Like to reevaluate something like that that you thought was really bad. Oh, it's yeah. way off the fucking record with this one. This has turned into the well, fucking hey. preach hour. Yeah. No, no, I, I just think we it's- started talking about a song. We went way off course. It's just all a little bit of history repeating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the return of your mate and mine, Pauline Pantstown. This is... I don't like it. When you turn my voice about, I don't like it. When you vote one nation out, my language has been murdered. My language has been murdered. My shopping trolley murdered. My groceries just gone. I don't like it. When you turn my voice about, I don't like it. When you vote one nation out, my language has been murdered. My language has been murdered. My shopping trolley murdered. My groceries just gone. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Racist, rubbish, racist, hate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Racist, rubbish, racist, feel the heat. I don't like it. When, um, railway lines are white. I don't like it. When, um, day becomes night. My language has been murdered. My language has been murdered. My shopping trolley murdered. My groceries just gone. I don't like it. No, 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 I don't. Never did. I don't like it. I don't like anything, anything, anything. I don't like it. No, 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 I don't. No one near. I don't like it. I don't like anything, anything, anything. 
please explain? Pauline Pantsound coming in at number 58 in the 1998 Hottest 100. I don't like it. Adam. Yo. Do you? I do. Me too. Yeah. 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 The sequel. The, the sequel. sequel. Here we go. This is the happy ending to the song. I've been waiting for a happy ending. So the Empire Strikes Back to the New Hope that was... <laughs> Backdoor Man. Backdoor Man, the Back number man. five song of the last countdown we talked about, that of 1997. So if you want to hear the full story about that and exactly what went on, please go back and, and listen to that episode. We, we go into great detail about exactly yeah. what went on there. We'll pause while and wait for you to come back. Welcome back. <laughs> now, now you're up to date. Just the cliff notes for everyone who is lazy and didn't give us the other downloads on the other episode that we oh so God. desperately crave. Basically, Simon Hunt, a.k.a. Pauline Pants Down, released a track and it was completely barred from being played on the ABC because it was ruled by the courts to be defamatory. This is the response in musical response. I let that stand as something that is credited to the song as well. It's like... I. I created this piece of art. It got me in heaps of trouble. So I literally went and talked to seven lawyers about how I would do a follow-up track. This is the result. This is the painstaking reworking unauthorized of Pauline Hansen's voice once again into another disco track, deliberately talking about what happened with, with the previous song. I'm, I'm serious when I say that Simon actually consulted with lawyers about this track. There's a, there's a quote from him saying, uh, seven lawyers ag- advise me not to call her a homosexual man again. <laughs> <laughs> seven. I mean, when six did, he was like, oh, I just don't know. I feel like I could get away with seven. All right. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, but he, but Give surmi- it a red hot go. But they surmised that I could allude to her perceived racism as this was not something that she would be willing to defend in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, Hunt, um, it, was, it was a great interview that I found with him that's got all these great quotes in there but he said yeah. that the title lyric to him epitomized the whinging that she would complain about things and never have solutions he designed the song deliberately to be something that would be catchy for kids as well as yeah, the part music, of it yeah. um, he, he said he wanted to he actually compared himself in his agenda to the wiggles which is something very funny <laughs> just why you have so much of the one two three four five six you know yeah uh, I, just, I, don't like, I remember being 10 and singing this song I don't like, like it yeah. it worked is the yeah. thing like it did reach the kids I, I mean surely is. at 10 years old had very little idea of who Pauline Hansen was other than this song yeah this was also launched on the day that uh, the federal election campaign was started nice and this was also coincided as we talked about with Back to a Man with Pauline Pants Down officially running for the Senate as Pauline Pants Down just I have to say just the attitude behind it it's like you get in trouble you come right back and you do the thing again like fuck you we release a CD single that has the radio edit and the xenophobia remix oh my god (laughs) that's so sick (laughs) I've never heard that I know if I so as much as like Backdoor Man is a moment in history for Triple J this is a better expression of falling pants down to me the humor of it lands so much more i think like it's it's not just like a bit a weird bit of fun calling Pauline Hanson a very caring potato. Like, the line, why can't my blood be coloured white? Like, oh, so, so funny. Like, it's a, it's a legitimately great piece of satire. Yeah. I think more so than, than Backdoor Man was. The Muppet in the Wings, mate. Oh, yeah. 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 And, like, 
there's something about the way all the, the lines are constructed that is very, very satisfying in just how ridiculous that it all yes. is. And like, as, as I acknowledged at the beginning, going, yeah, like, just yeah. like that little moment in there. Oh, like, and then the little I flourish like of disco, where it's got that little lovers in the air bit. Oh, so sick. 100%. And like, I, f- I feel like, did you, you talked about it when we were talking about Fatboy Slim. Like, yeah. This would have been painstaking to make. Yeah. Like, it absolutely would but have been. But worth every goddamn second. Absolutely. Yeah. This was the funniest thing in the world when we were kids. Yeah, like, it really we, was. We loved this. Yeah. And this ruined Pauline Hanson forever. Sure, she fucking made a comeback, but everyone our age cannot unsee her as anything apart from Pauline Pants Down. She was the laughing stock of the entire fucking country. And she has fucking time- seats in the Senate, though, man. Yeah, of all the things to bring back from 1998, <laughs> like, really. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather have Pants Down back. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, full credit to old mate, what's his name, Simon? Simon, Simon Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Simon Hunt. Absolute legend. Yeah, Simon's still a pretty active political presence, and, you yeah, know, 100%. like, is often, you know, sharing issues related to LGBT people and, you know, often very critical of the government and stuff like that. I love that they've kept this persona alive in some way, shape, or form is still railing against the system some 20 years on. So mad fucking respect And for every that. time I see anything that, that Simon kind of says online or whatever, it, he's, the advocacy that he pushes forward is the kind of advocacy is so valuable. It's just like appealing to people's, this is the right thing to do. Like, it's just, it's, it's really, really great. Even when there's like complete unreasonable backlash coming back, hmm. you know, the responses are always so wonderfully measured. I love this quote as well in terms of like what the song was trying to do politically. Speaking of that, in terms of advocacy, uh, the responses of Asian and Aboriginal people had a deeper layer. This is talking about the song. Had a deeper layer um, about me being a conduit for them to laugh at issues that were not funny at all to them. Um, that I represented a tool for them to fight back against their own perceived powerlessness in the wake of her demonization of them. Wow. That is awesome. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, cool. I'm going to turn myself into this thing that is making you feel powerless and demonized. Please laugh at me. That's great satire. Yeah, yeah. that's what, yeah, that's what it is. It's so hard to do good satire, but he's done such a fucking fantastic job here. Uh-huh. Also, I, like, obviously, it's it's way more of a song than mm. Backdoor Man it is. is. Yeah, it really and is. It's, it, it's, I'm surprised that it's only at uh, number 58. Well, um, considering that Backdoor Man made it at number five. Yeah, like, I know that was more of the, like groundbreaking moment like it's like holy shit this person is sampling Pauline Hanson to make a heaps funny political satire joke also voting for the band song yeah you know like once it gets yeah. banned it's, it's kind of more incentive to vote yeah. for it in Hottest 100 mm. but, I thought, but this is certainly the one that I'm sure I speak, do I speak for all of us this is the one we're more familiar with oh right? yeah definitely oh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, just, it's a better song it's, it's more fun it feels more clever it's funnier like yeah it, it didn't get banned so it was easier to hear no, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah Number 57, this is garbage with I think I'm paranoid.
Savage coming in at number 57 in the 1998 Hottest 100. Uh, yet another song from their absolutely banging version 2.0. This one is I Think I'm Paranoid. Andrew. David. Do, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm paranoid? Or? I think you're a healthy paranoia. Who, who said that? <laughs> Who's telling you these things? Yes. Obviously, this is fucking awesome. Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm, I'll allow it. Read yeah. the room, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great that it does that thing that um I think garbage do really well with like the like because the start of it is so soft and like lulls you in. Mm. And then like when the guitar then pro- like probably punches in with the chorus there, you're like, alright. Oh, every time that garbage do a thing that isn't like punch really hard rock music, I'm like, I really kinda hope they do the Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I knew it. Uh, I don't really have a huge amount to say because it's just garbage doing what garbage do so fucking well. Obviously, this record... I'm going to have to just listen to this record. I haven't heard it. They're at a point in their career where they're able to do these things that are, like, fun with beats that aren't traditional rock music beats. They're more like clubhouse beats. That's I think the clubhouse beats are tied to vocal performance of like a woman like Shirley like mm-hmm. that those are linked there and then to offset that with like the hard edgeness of the guitar rock is just a fucking delightful thing that they're able to do so fucking well here it's not like a new side of garbage but it's another sign of why they were just like the powerhouse hit makers they were at this period like mm-hmm. all, all the elements here are similar to what we've heard from them with the other tracks that we've spoken about sample beats hard guitar Shirley Manson is fantastic that's what garbage do really fucking well at this period in their career mm-hmm. so I'm always happy to hear more of that even though like it's not like a new revelation of garbage but it's just like ah these guys are always good yeah yeah one thing i realized about this song is that like garbage really trade especially with the singles that are coming out at this time but potentially throughout the rest of them in that kind of like nervous anxious energy Mm. There's there's a real tension in their music even in the way that it kind of flips to the to the chorus which is distinctly different from the rest of the song and i think in a really great way that is it's really kind of like a break um, but talking about I think I'm paranoid, you know, similar to like Push It or whatever, I, I said I got a really like pent up vibe from it. I think I get a really tense pent up vibe from this song as well, but in a, in a kind of cathartic way as opposed to a way that kind of makes you feel that. It only makes you feel that in order to express it, I guess. This was recorded inside an empty candy factory, which I think huh. is really fitting. Nice. Mm. I think I think more bands should just do stuff like that because it's just a cool thing to be able to say. Like, of course this was. Of course it was recorded inside an empty candy factory. That's really good. The absolute weirdest thing about this song, though, is we've talked about with Garbage, with Special, with Push It. They've all been interpolations and samples. They've been big on that. Yeah, yeah. And they've always been very diligent about clearing that with the right people, even with Push It. It wasn't a direct salt and pepper reference, but they still cleared it with salt and pepper. Mm. They got sued for this song. Fuck off, really? They got sued for for this song because of its resemblance to the 1967 Scott English and Larry Weiss composition, Bend Me, Shape Me. And to be fair, yes, they do, you know, bend me, break me, any way you want me. whatever it is it is really similar i just don't know why they didn't clear it they didn't they just yeah, complete they... oversight on that particular thing which you hmm. think if you're talking to salt and pepper about naming your song push it surely you're gonna get that clip they didn't they got sued oh boy hmm. that's it's weird like come on it's like were they just tired at that point maybe maybe it was one of like they f- didn't think it was a reference and you know that thing where you're absorbing so much stuff and you're playing around with references and you just write this and not thinking about that it could be based on 
Oh, hmm. That's a What a missed opportunity for was it Scott English? Yeah, to be cool <laughs> for once, you know, just Damn for, it, for one minute, just to be cool. No, I just want to quickly point out that this song is in drop C, which is fucking dope. That's <laughs> so low. That's yeah, so, low. so yeah, like in That's the metalcore, it goes fucking hard. Like it sounds like baritone guitar. Like, and I remember hearing it at the time. It's like this is the heaviest guitar sound I've ever heard. I've talked about Garbage being a massively eye-opening band in a lot of ways, and like this song is no exception. Yeah, right. Because then so, straight after that, it goes back up to the like yeah, you have all these nice melodies playing around. These really, you know, quite uncomfortable lyrics about, you know, being manipulated by this dude or whatever. Because the heaviness here is just so thick and like. Are you with me here, Dave? Drop, drop C fucks, right? Oh, big time. <laughs> big, huge, yeah. In um, a big way. Yeah. Um, but it's just so good when, like, the contrast is just so distinct. Yeah. Like, yeah. And also just, like, drop C on commercial radio. Like, yeah, yeah. Whew. <laughs> nice. You did it. Number 56, this is the Wetlands with Charlie. Number three, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> <laughs> You'll need some time to get over this. But a moment is all he can spare. His body's out there in the city lights. And he is trying to care See him Offering himself to the world Staring down From the 56th floor Yeah, I'd be happy Just to catch him again We go out we don't always come back. The Whitlam's at number 56 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That's Charlie number three. Uh, the, the final installation of the Charlie trilogy within the classic 1997 album Eternal Nightcap. Nathan. Yeah. It's the Whitlam's, so you know what you got to do. Here we go. We have talked about the Whitlam's before a couple of times, um, including No Aphrodisiac winning... It was last year's Countdown, right? Correct. Okay. I'm like, how many countdowns have we done? Too many. Just how much content has this podcast <laughs> produced? For free, well, I might add. For free? What? <laughs> you telling me that people can just get this for free? Well, if they... Yes, yes. I, wow. I'm going to extrapolate on that joke. No, no, yeah, totally. No, no to go with it was, that. It was a bad lob. I'm sorry. No, it's fine, really. It's let, me, let me lobby an easy one. What do you think of this Whitlam song, Nathan? It's great. <laughs> When we did talk about No Aphrodisiac, I talked about the album Eternal Nightcap coming out of a really not great place for the Whitlams. Stevie Plunder uh, was found dead at the base of a waterfall, and Tim took some time away and then sort of reformed the band with a revolving door of musicians to record one of the best Australian albums, uh, but a whole a whole bunch of songs that he'd written with various different lineups and stuff. And... Grief is a pretty strong through line on the album, yeah. particularly for the trilogy of Charlie songs. This is just a beautiful song. It's yeah, it's, it's probably like the most accessible of the three songs because this is the only one of the Charlie songs that's got a full band arrangement. Yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah, it's got like the poppy kind of yeah. chorus and stuff like that. By now, Pay Later is much more of a like 
ballad. Yeah, so that's like a very somber piano song. And then uh, Charlie Number One is like piano and guitar, and it's like very stripped back. I really like that, but I really like every track. Can you talk me through, as as someone who hasn't listened to Eternal Nightcap, Mm. what the link is between the three Charlie songs? Like, is is there one? Like, they're what's, all about what's the deal? Stevie, the... I think. Yeah, yeah. They right. They all deal with they're, different. They're things. all about another person, a yeah. close friend, um, who is self destructing. Who you infer is dealing with problems with addiction and probably depression. By now, pay later, which I'm pretty sure we talk about. Later, yes, yes. Um, is straight up about addiction. Charlie number one is is much more of a like reminiscing song about maybe not good times but times that were less complicated it's very much a song about friendship yeah yeah. absolutely like walking home together at the end of a party that wasn't particularly great or whatever it goes two three then one yeah in the track listing okay yeah sure so you're kind of getting everything out of whack which is really interesting because then this one obviously you know you have someone standing on the top of a building, and it's it's much you know yeah right. It's yeah. a very direct. I did wonder whether my read on that was was correct. Well, I mean that, I, that being being like an allusion to self destructiveness and suicide. Yeah, and kind of I thing. think it's pretty straight up. Obviously, right. you know that's obviously my yeah. inf- inference as well. Sure, but, um, we sure. go out, we don't always come back. Yeah, yeah. It's a heavy song. We're friends, but you know, like there are points where we get disconnected. You know, mm. we go out because we go back. You know, we yeah, have we, history I, together. I love the double, the yeah. double meaning on but that But we line. go out, so we don't good. always come back. Like, oh, yeah. that's, mm. I, I love the arrangement on this song. Like, that that opening piano is incredible. But then uh, that instrumental break where it goes into the dueling organ solos, like, they, they just sound incredible. Yeah, I've always found this song to just be an incredible part of, like, what's already a huge record. But, um, yeah. yeah, I've always had a really strong fascination with this song and and its role in the trilogy, I guess. And how, you know, if you play the songs in order, they kind of expand out. Like, the songs get louder in terms of composition, but, like, you grow further and further away from the person. Mm. The first song's directly about a one-on-one, you know, friendship. The second song directly talks to the person. And then by the third song, you're talking about them in the third person. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like you're completely detached from them. It's a beautiful track. It's, yeah. heavy, it's heavy stuff, right? Like, yeah. it's like the same, like yeah. someone who wants to offer themselves to the world. Like they want, like they just, this person wants love, right? Like they're just a lonely person. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. Tim wants to be able to be with that person. Yeah. But also like, like anybody who's been like depressed or... Uh, like with addiction problems or has known someone who's depressed or has addiction problems that like, you know, you want to be the friend, but also, you know, you can't always be there. No. Like it's, it's, it's a physical impossibility. You can't always yeah. be the person because being near them is fucking crashing, right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's impossible. It's too much to bear for a human being to be the source of someone's lack of loneliness. It's too much. But also and, like to isolate is a symptom. Yeah, you know when you Precisely. when you are suffering, that isolation is a hundred percent a part of that. It feels like because like the, like the going out kind of thing like that. It um is is this about the person who had the gambling addiction? No, no, that was Andy. Right. Okay. Um, Andy had also like Andy had also left the band by this yeah. point. He wouldn't commit suicide for another few years. Right. Because um, I I, I, yeah. I felt that kind of. Th- through line just being like yeah because like part of yeah. going that, that's, out that's circa uh, love this city yeah uh, which is the next record which has blog pokies, pokies on it which is about him. explicitly about that yeah. obviously and then mm. many many years later uh on the most recent uh 
Whitlam's record, there's a song called The Curse Stops Here. Yeah, yes. Which is where he talks about how he's the only remaining original member of the Whitlam's. Yeah, beautiful fucking song. Yeah. But this is also incredibly beautiful, but it's, it's just so melancholic and sad that, like, on its own, like, obviously I can see why, like, Triple J fans in the 90s ride for the Whitlam's with good yeah. reason. Yeah. But, like, it's... I guess any Whitlam song feels weird to Burlose as a single because they're yeah. all so fucking. But like their music, right? It's song. Like there's more depressing songs, mm. but this is just so. It's just so like I guess because Tim feels like he's ours. Yeah, like, yeah, in, like, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's one of, he's I don't think sure. for Triple J audiences at the time, like you would, people would have known what was going on. Yeah, and you'd want to vote for you it, and it's a good listen song. Listen to the album, knowing what the story is, and you feel part yeah. like connected to that story in yeah. a way. It's, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's, it just, it's, so, just, so it's just so melancholic. Yeah, yeah. and but you're right. I like that that those sort of dueling organ solos really drives a sense of energy forward. But mm. yeah, then the way the song ends, but it also is creates not... that distance between the characters. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I never considered that, David. But um, that's a very very smart compositional idea, right? To have the organs be the representative of the. The difference yeah, like the, the two of kind them. Of, yeah, yeah, like the distance and the dialogue between yeah. the between the characters. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's a really smart idea. Incredible. I also get the the sense from the song that because it's, it goes off being explicit just enough, it's more about Tim writing it than it is about us, about us hearing it. Mm. Yeah, that's you know fair. What I mean? Or like that's the vibe I get. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's, yeah. that makes it special. I think, as in, in terms of an expression. Yeah. <laughs> That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to listening, as always. <laughs> uh, really appreciate uh, the support of listening uh, for everything. Sponsor that they of the do. show, listening. We, <laughs> listening. We hear you. <laughs> Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites for this week. Adam, what you got? Uh, I'm going to give it to History Repeating. It's too much fun. Yeah, um, same. And my least favourite, fifth Best, yes. I should, it's, it's an episode of Fifth Best. Yeah. It definitely is. Would be Annie DeFranco. Um, Snap! But I still love it. I think that's really great. I'm going to keep my champs and chumps. No shelter is Snap. my champ. God, uh, you're in my brain today, uh, man. Brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Brand Van Three Thousand still the chump. So you're all the same. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Ooh, my fave is the propeller heads. The Shirley Bassey is repeating my. Least fave. Fuck, it is a tricky one. Give it a, give it a bassy when you say it. Go on. Go on. History repeating. Repeating. Yeah. There oh, we go. So yeah. Actually, yeah, you know what? Snap. My least fave was also Untouchable Face, but my yeah. champ remains Frenzel and my chump remains Brand Van. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. we're the same. Oh. Yeah. We are this has lived with this for a while. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's nice to be Huge friends now and then. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Friends. Mm. Unreal. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Friends. Mr. Andrew McDonald's. Friends. And Mr. Nathan Harrison. Friends. My name is David James Young. Or should I say Dame David James <laughs> Young? You should. <laughs> Keep music. <laughs> 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 Forever, forever, forever.